0: Amen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have, okay, is engaged. I'm a girl. Let's see the beautiful ring.
0: Let
2: us see it. Let us see it in its glory. Oh my, oh my
1: gosh. God. Oh my gosh. This is on oh. video. So, well, okay, this is what's funny. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm um, so this excited. This is two girls, one ghost. Oh, hi. Two girls. How about that? my gosh? <laughs> And we are your ghostesses.
2: That is newly engaged, Corinne. Oh my gosh! Hi. And I'm Sabrina. And I'm oh, I truly have been waiting. I know some details, and I know some secret details from before because I knew when it was going to happen. But I have been I waiting. Did not, I didn't know anything. I, even our listeners had a feeling. That's what's wild to me. It was in the I air. Know. But I
1: have been waiting to well, find Brian out all the also details. Brian fifty some people. He informed. Over 50 people that this was happening like a month or two ago.
2: I was DMing and no him. And spilled the beef. And I was so nervous that you were going to see it. And you also use his phone yes. during Green Room
1: or during Campfire Stories. I use his phone – I use his phone every single Tuesday for oh Campfire my. Stories. And he <sighs> said he was shitting himself every single Tuesday, which – in hindsight, I probably should have known something was up because normally he would just like hand me his phone and I would like log in and do mm-hmm. the whole thing. But actually for the past like month, he would pull up campfire stories and then just oh hand me already in the ah! app. And I was like, okay. <laughs> or Spotify live. Yeah. I did not know. Okay. Tell which us is like impossible everything. to surprise me. Yeah, it is. Well, I will start with this. Okay. I did not not know that a proposal was coming. Right. Because in January, we talked about the desire to get married, and he said, will you tell me what you want for a ring? And so then three days later, I sat him down <laughs> and presented a 30-minute long, eight-page PowerPoint presentation on what i wanted for a ring <laughs>
2: <laughs> which i have seen everyone and it is beautiful if anyone ever uh, needs a point, like, yeah a this for rings, not that
1: yeah a yes and a no and it was yeah, so specific
2: like do uh-huh. and do not and like you had picture examples
1: of what you don't like and what you right. do like oh my gosh you are well i didn't think that i was gonna have to get that specific i mean i knew what i yeah. wanted but i thought like oh i'll just send him a couple pictures And then I talked to our friend Jordan, who like knew so much about diamonds and settings and rings and claws and the shape of the basket. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like really underprepared. So I did like a shit ton of research over a couple of days. And then I went into one place because I was like, oh, I want to get size. And they were trying to swindle me into all these other things. And then these poor guys that were like next to me, obviously trying to purchase rings for their significant others, they were also – yeah, they were also getting like – Swindled. Pushed into other things. So I was like – Oh, I can't just give this like basic sort of outline. Yeah. I have to be really specific with what I don't want because they pitch certain places, pitch things as like an upgrade. Right, right. So I was like, I don't want Brian to and go. Poor men and like, who oh, are just boy, like I'm excited for the better thing. Yeah,
2: who are excited to get right. something for their girlfriends, yes. and then these businesses, which the wedding industry, I love it, but. They just take advantage of people,
1: right? I agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy industry to take advantage. Unless of Unless you're in.
2: Corinne, but anyway, because all that being said, was you will not let them. I knew what the fuck I wanted, <laughs> and he got it for me. <laughs> and it is beautiful,
1: yes. yes. And then for the proposal, I actually asked Brian. I was like, "Do you want to be on the podcast?" I was like, "Do you want to just say oh. the word hi because he's like shy." Oh. And he was like, got really nervous. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to do it. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about Meanwhile,
2: it. Meanwhile, Nick is like itching every five minutes to
1: be on the podcast. <laughs> He's like, can I come on? Can I come on? Can I come <laughs> on? i like, on. Nick, yes. You can have your hour. But yeah. So for the proposal, apparently everyone else knew. I did not mm-hmm. know it was happening. I people, as So many people were like, did you have any idea it was happening? And I had maybe two minutes before we got – like we were already walking. Yeah. Like two minutes before we were – Okay, well, <laughs> let me start. He said we were going to dinner, yeah, and he made the dinner reservations five weeks in advance. And everyone was like, "Why didn't that tip you off?" And it is because he does that all the yeah. time. He he's he he always loves like, oh, there's places. a new restaurant we should try." Yeah, he's a big foodie. Yeah. so I was like, if he had booked something eight months in advance, I wouldn't have questioned right. it. Like it's just normal. Yeah. So then we're go- on our way to dinner, and I here's the first part where I should have known. He came and got me because I was working on podcast stuff, and it was like it was like four forty five Friday and. He tapped me and he was like, I think you should start getting ready soon. And I was like, I'm fine. Like, we're, we're not leaving. We're just going to like, dinner. Just like pull away from the computer. Like, yeah. So I was like, okay. So I went and got ready. And then on our way, I said, wow, it's so nice out. <laughs> and he said, oh, should we take the long way? And the long way is a loop that we already walk oh like gosh. every other day. So it wasn't out of the ordinary. Right. But I also did think to myself, we'll probably be late, which is, does he know that? Because he's very punctual. Right. And then I think I started to like really kind of figure it out. But I, w- I was also telling myself like, don't be disappointed if if it if you're doesn't, into yeah. things And it doesn't yeah. happen. But on our way, he goes, "Okay, we're walking. We're outside. We are on our way to dinner." Like it was like an internal monologue that accidentally came out. Oh, he said it. So, like, kind loud. of self-soothe and talk to himself. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, like I'm also here walking <laughs> on our way to dinner. I know what we're doing. Like, not sure why this oh, is happening. Oh my gosh. Yeah." <laughs> And then he pulls me into the park, which if anyone's familiar with Boston or the North End or the Freedom Trail, it was the the park with Paul Revere statue mm-hmm. right there. And he pulls me into the park. There's no one in the park. Super, normally, there's a million people in this park because yeah. it's, it's a, like a historic walk. right? And the North End's super popular. And it was a Friday like at like 6.30. And a 30. nice night. Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah. And he like pulls me into the park and I immediately know something. I I know ah! what's happening. That was like... I was like, "Oh my god, Brian! Oh my god!" And I start doing that, and then there's no one in the park except for two people who are reading the plaque on Star- oh God. Your statue. And he, Sabrina, he like drags me. He's backing up. He's like ten inches from them, and I'm pulling him the other way. And I'm like trying not to ruin the moment, but I. And then finally, I go, Brian. There's people behind you, and he goes, "Don't worry about the people." And I was like, "I'm kind of worried about the people. like just a, <laughs> like, like you're just getting so, so close to them." Turn right. He was getting way too close. And then they turn around and he'd hired photographers. But I didn't know that. I thought he was just like trying Ugh. to back up and have a art proposal like awkwardly right next to these the random people. people in this like <laughs> 200-yard vicinity. Needs an audience. But yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, and then he he had planned for our families to oh be at dinner, gosh. so what I didn't know was that, like, they were all there. And then, Sabrina, you had made a video with mm-hmm. the, some of our friends from LA, mm-hmm. which I'll send you pictures because the photographer has captured pictures when he, like, oh, showed me the video, oh. and I, I was like this. <laughs> and then I was like this. <laughs> it was... <laughs> ugly crying oh my oh god my i'm gonna gosh. cry right now
2: my favorite part is that you thought something was wrong with your family because they had all turned their locations off on find my friends and you thought that you needed to send in
1: yes. like police to find them yes yes that is it <laughs> <yes. laughs> i always check my parents locations well i shouldn't say always you check everyone's locations friends. i use it before i call anyone because mm. i i want to see like if they're at home and if they are i'll call them if they're not then I'm like, oh, they're busy. I'm not gonna even like try and like get them flustered. Right. So I basically use it not to creep on people, but like, but a as, little bit like, preemptive. Yeah. But like to creep on people before I give them a call. Yeah. And my dad wasn't answering my texts about Mother's Day, and then my brother was like kind of answering them a little bit, but like I hadn't heard from him for a few hours. Uh-huh. So then I went on find my friends to see where they were to see if they like, because because also my brother moved to Texas this weekend, so it was a really big. A really big like thing yeah. for our family. There was a lot going on, and I was like, "Oh shit! Maybe they're already on the plane. Maybe they're already like, did I miss like him his right. departure? Because I knew it was this weekend, but I forgot what day it was. So I look on find my friends. Their three locations are turned off. My mom, my dad, and my brother. But luckily, our friends Jordan and Nikita they were also turned off. So I was like, maybe it's a glitch. But also, I think my family's getting murdered. I was like, who, why would all of their locations be off? Like someone threw their phones into a ditch. They're getting murdered. Oh and my so gosh. as I was getting ready for dinner, I, I kept going, <sighs> <sighs> to trying to calm myself down. And I was like, okay, I'll give it like one more hour. And if I don't hear from one of them, then I'm calling the police to do a welfare check. You're my, and my emergency contact. Me. I looked at his fine, my friend. You should, I should, should. Everyone. I should be. Everyone cringe to be your emergency contact. One of our contact. friends called me drunk at like 4 a.m. the other day. And I was like searching her, Find My Friends. I was messaging her. I was calling her, being like, Are you okay? Like I thought she was like, are you? What's happening? I just always assume everyone's been murdered. Which is why I'm a good emergency contact.
2: (laughs) And you answer the phone. So that's always good.
1: Yeah. It was a good thing though that I didn't zoom in on Find My Friends because my grandma didn't turn off her location (gasps) and like they were all here at the hotel. Oh my God. But well done. Yeah, no, it wasn't ruined. Well done. And then the next day he planned like this whole engagement party. I know. So cute. And it was super fun.
2: He had – Brian had messaged a group of us from LA like two months ago and was like, hey, April 30th, I'm proposing. Come to Boston where I'm going to have a little party. Come surprise Corinne. And if flights were not $800, Mm -hmm. we all would have been there. And Oh, my God. And so I thought it was happening on Saturday the 30th. Because that's what he had messaged us. Oh, because that's when the party was. And then I was, because we couldn't come putting together that video, and I was messaging Brian on Instagram, and I was like, okay, when do I need to send it to you by? And he goes, I'm actually proposing tonight. And I was like, what? And so I'm freaking out, pacing the house. And because it's a (laughs) three-hour time difference, it's – at 3.30 – he said at 6.30 p.m. he was proposing, which is 3.30 my time. So at like 3 p.m. I was like nervously walking around and anxiously waiting for something to happen. I was checking your location. Allie
1: and I were texting each other. We were like, has it happened yet? Has it happened yet? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Well, when I FaceTimed everyone – because I didn't – so like (laughs) Brian, it was easy. He was like – he texted his friends and said like the deed is done. But for oh. me, I didn't want to text anyone. I yeah. wanted to FaceTime yeah. everyone. And he was like, do you want to FaceTime people? And I was like, like, you just invited everyone to d- – like, we're going to a right. dinner. I can't FaceTime everyone because I don't want to FaceTime one person and, and then not, everyone not talk to anyone yeah. for two hours and then FaceTime yeah. one more. I like wanted to do it all at yeah. once. So I waited until after. But it was funny because when I picked up – when everyone picked up the FaceTimes, everyone was like, hello? Because they didn't want to ruin it because I think everyone thought it was on Saturday. Uh, so they're hello. like, hello? Hi. <laughs> why are you calling me? And I was like, I'm engaged." they were like, what? This is 24 hours before I thought it was happening. Oh, but it was oh. fun. So it was exciting. Nice. I blacked out. I don't know what happened. I was just gonna ask
2: if you blacked out because I feel like I remember when it ha- when no. Nick proposed and I truly blacked out and I came to like hours later. I was like, Oh, I'm back. Yeah, this really happened. It's happening. You're getting. I feel married. like that happens to so many
1: people. You're getting married. I asked him though. I said, Did you even ask me to? Did you say, will you marry me? And he was a little offended. He was like, yes. course." He probably had a I'd whole thing out. planned. He'd probably be yeah. blacked out too. I mean, that's a a big yeah. moment. He had a lot of um lies and excuses ready if I hadn't just like gone with the flow that mm. night. Like if I'd been like, no, let's actually just walk straight there. He had like all of these pre-planned things that. as to why we had to go the long way. But I was like, wow, it's so beautiful out. Yeah, let's walk a little
0: longer. <laughs> so <laughs> it,
1: went, it went easy. It went over well, oh, it's and so then oh, not, I mean, this is about this is a story about Brian, but also my mom gave me on Sunday. We like walked around a little bit in Boston, uh-huh. and my dad and brother flew to move my brother to Texas. But my mom gave me look. It's this. I'm gonna go away from the microphone okay, for a second, was, but this is gonna be on YouTube, so I'm gonna go closer to the camera. It's a little heart gold oh, necklace with so a diamond pretty. in it, and it's I put it on another chain with another necklace because I don't she didn't have a chain for it but this is the first diamond that my dad ever gave my mom and she gave it to me and i bawled my eyes out isn't that so oh, nice i'm gonna uh, cry oh my god i have been crying. yeah there's a yeah it was very sweet Oh,
2: love is in the air. And then it's funny because I posted on Instagram. And I immediately text Corinne and I said, get ready for all the men to unfollow you. Because when people get engaged, two girls,
1: one ghost listeners get their hearts broken and unfollow us on Instagram. (laughs) I think you had a much more significant – I don't want to make you feel bad. I gain followers. (laughs) I looked because you had said something to it, and I was like, "I'm gonna like mark <laughs> oh what what I'm at right now." I'm mad, but here's my theory, Sabrina. I think it's because women love you, and I think we have a lot more female listeners. Oh, so they and got so mad. I think when there I was got a larger mad. chunk. I think there was a much larger chunk of women whose hearts were broken that you were uh, off the market. Man, I think. All right. Well, now I'm mad. Now I'm mad. <laughs> To all
2: of you like out there, tell Sabrina about it's to funny. all of you who unfollowed me when I got engaged, what the heck? Follow her back. What the heck? What the heck? Follow her back. Ugh, that's okay. But you did break some hearts. It's fine. We had some um, comments of people being like, "Not gonna lie, I've had a crush on Corinne for years. This is a bit. This is a bit hard for me to I take." Feel the to same swallow. way <laughs>
1: about yeah, so many people. Big fight, like Bigfoot's Probably, I have to working. really like trying to check myself sometimes when certain celebrities, like, get in relationships. I'm like, calm down. Like, wh- why are you being You haven't this, even like, met me yet. Like, mood- what's
2: going you're, – you're moving yeah. too
1: fast. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm – yeah. I get, like – I mean, Harry Styles. It's the perfect oh example. Gosh. There's nothing wrong with Olivia Wilde, but for some reason, every single time I see her, there's, like, this, like sh- – like, I feel like I'm being punched in the stomach. And I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Like, yeah. she's a wonderful woman who's going to likely marry this guy that I've never met.
2: Have you seen the trailer? For but I'm so like, Ugh! don't worry, darling. I think that's what it's called. Yes. Oh, My gosh, he looks yes. so
1: hot in that. Yes. And also, this is like it just feels very like Stepford Wives. Yeah. I'm excited, which I'm, I'm so, so excited into for it. It's gonna be good. Yeah. It's gonna be really good. I also really want to see that movie. Everyone's been talking about. I'm gonna butcher it, but it's like everywhere. Oh my god. All the time. Yes. Everything everywhere. Everything all everywhere
2: all at once. It is so freaking good.
1: I just saw it.
2: You saw yeah, it? Yeah. I was going to talk it destroy about it for
1: you. Everyone's taking videos of them like bawling it's their eyes so out. It's so good. After. I
2: was going to talk about it in our, um, in our, in paranormal news episode that we we're going to record oh, after this. Okay.
1: Then save it. Okay. We'll, we'll do paranormal it's news. It's for Patreon. So for anyone that doesn't know, for Patreon, we revamped our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We have good things. To we have, our no, we have terrible
2: things coming to Patreon. So Those sorry, good things.
1: terrible, terrible
2: things. It's gonna be awful for everyone involved. <laughs> You're gonna hate it. Just kidding. You're
1: gonna. But it. included in yeah. our Patreon revamp, we have new. We have like a, a specific feed mm-hmm. for how do I say it? Ex- like exclusive episodes. Yeah, basically. exclusive episodes. So there's gonna be ad-free episodes. There's early uncut episodes of campfire, campfire stories mm-hmm. because we do edit them. So if you want to listen to like the raw version yeah. of it, you can listen to that early. We post those a few yeah. weeks early. You can also get the ad-free versions of all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of them. All of them from, from the now first on forward. basically. Yeah. From Yeah. Yes. And then also we are doing bi-weekly. So every other week an in, in paranormal news where we talk about all the things that we've discovered all the things that are like in the freshly hitting the news i think i'm also gonna we've just discovered (laughs) i'm just gonna talk about
2: books and movies it basically just random things that come to our mind we're gonna talk about that we don't have enough time to talk about on the podcast but we really want to talk about so it's just like extra right Corinne and sabrina banta
1: yes Yes. Yes. recommendations yes yeah yeah Et cetera. etc so
2: We are – I'm excited. We always are. We're always excited. When are, <laughs> when's the last time we've ever said, I'm not excited about this? Never. I don't know.
1: Probably when, like, I was really in the mood for something light and you were like, we're going Demons. dark and demonic. And I'm like, oh, no. Help me. Help me. But otherwise, yeah, we're
2: always excited. Yeah. Yeah. I love the demon stuff. Also, what's your shirt? I like it. Thank you. I've worn it every
1: day since Friday.
2: <laughs> it's a uh, Whitney. There is nothing
1: wrong with outfit repeating. Yeah,
2: no one's seen great. it. That's the great thing about it. I actually, this is my new move. Okay. Now that I'm working at home all the time
1: and don't
2: really see people often, I just repeat my outfits every day until we video record. And then I pick a new outfit until we video record again. <laughs>
1: I think there's nothing wrong with that. Especially, too, because, like, sometimes you put together an outfit and you're like, oh, this looks really yeah. good. And then why would you Why, why would, would you, you wait? Like, it just up. let everyone let see everyone you looking see good. It. Yeah. Or what you feel good in. Exactly. I see nothing wrong with exactly. that, Sabrina. I think that you're a trendsetter here. Thank you. Thank you.
2: But also, you know, what's funny is I cleaned out my closet yesterday and as I was going through, I was like, well, I haven't worn this in three years, but I'm keeping it. And <laughs> I did get rid of – I have two bags of clothes that I'm getting rid of or I'm going to try and sell and then I'll That's donate. good. But – it's so hard. so difficult.
1: Yeah. You actually had a really good idea. So we are in a book, book club mm-hmm. together with our friends from LA. I'm the only person that FaceTimes in. It's the best. Because everyone else is local. So I just like sit on a chair on Sabrina's phone or someone's laptop usually. And set you up. But you had a great idea for the next book yeah. club. I won't be <laughs> part of it, obviously. But everyone else is going to bring the clothes that they don't want. And everyone's going to do like a clothing swap, yeah. which is so fun. Like I said, I'm a genius, Corinne. That is my
2: new favorite I phrase. think you are. I'm a genius. Everyone should repeat it, repeat it to themselves over and over. Look yourself in the mirror. Stare at yourself and say, I'm a genius. I'm going to rule this fucking day. I rock. That's what I do nowadays. Uh,
1: you got really intense while doing it. Yeah. You have to be it was good. You have to be
2: serious. It was Embrace good. Embrace your inner love yeah. for
1: yourself and call yourself a genius. Hmm. This feels like the version I feel like we're nearing the age where like Tupperware parties and Mary <laughs> k parties would be or, or at least were a thing for our parents and like we'll have some version of it. But I like that you're pushing sort of like a thrift and sustainability version of that party. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And also, our friends all have, like, really cute styles, so it was kind of selfish because I kind of want to see what my friends are getting
1: rid of. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we all sort of dress, like, at least somewhat the same. Yeah. Have, like, a similar vibe, too, so it's easy to get some new good stuff. Give me your cute clothes. Give me – yeah, just request, like, are you going to get rid of this? Hey, can I have this, Just, like, search
2: on Instagram. This shirt, uh, you haven't worn that in a long time. Are you going to get rid of it? (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen you post in this shirt for at
1: least a year.
2: (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Okay, spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. Witchy stuff. Tom Wright, our Patreon Witchy donor, stuff. picked this topic. So thank you, Tom. It was witchcraft slash occult organizations. And I didn't, I mean, I, I should have known, but there are so many
1: occult organizations out there. Yes. With such intense rich well, yeah, history. Because it's- it's it's kind of – I mean, like, occult is, like, I guess similar to religion or any other organization. Yeah. It's just, like, a group of people who share some belief. And it just happens to be that, like, when talking about the occult, those beliefs tend to be more spiritual or paranormal or leaning on magic. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a shit ton. There's a whole shit ton of witch stuff. Witchy stuff. And – Witchy stuff? It, again,
2: reinforced my desire to be oh, – Like, we have a coven – and it's so freaking cool how there are so many practicing witches that listen to our podcast. One, I don't know why you listen to us because you guys are like up here, like beyond you know the way screen. And we're we just – we're like little minions running around with our heads basically chopped off, not knowing what we're tiny talking about. Tiny ants being like, help me. Help me. Teach me how to be a witch. So – um Maybe – oh that's a good idea. Maybe we have a Patreon live stream where we have our witches join us on the video stream and talk about being witches.
1: Oh, uh, we should. And also, we do have – so part of Patreon are mm-hmm. our- – these discord channels in addition to the two that we already have public we have a few more that are private but one of them we made a tgog coven not necessarily to replicate what already exists for everybody in facebook with all of the witches but more for us selfishly you and i how to do stuff (laughs) yeah i messaged earlier in it and i was like does anyone know how to make like weather rain Jars, magic stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, I want to control the weather. Yeah. Specifically for my wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> that was why I was asking. But no, there's that so many so things. Funny. I just feel like it's it'll be a fun thing for us to like all collectively, like no one has to already know the answers, yeah. but to like collectively learn together. Yeah. And I think that's the and best thing in on our, about on our natural abilities. That, I think that's the best thing about
2: our whole community because there are so many things paranormal, witchy, or, you know, supernatural mm-hmm. that we just don't understand. And it's so cool. That we can go to our Facebook group, we can go to our Patreon, we can go to our Discord and be like, help me. And there are an influx of responses of people being like, I got you. Yes. Or I know someone who can got yes. you.
1: I know. This is – it's my actually my mom's default answer too. Whenever anyone Ugh. asks her anything, she's like, oh, you should just – Refer to the coven. To the Refer coven. to the TGOG coven on Facebook wow. with all those witches. They know what's up. That's amazing. Okay. But Tom knew what was up with this episode yes. suggestion, topic suggestion, because yes. this was fun.
2: Yes. So I heard about this tiny town a while back. I don't even know how I found it, but I heard about it and I thought it was so fascinating because it is a town of witches and it has been excommunicated from the church because of witchcraft. Yeah. Where in Spain, we must go, we must, we must, and it sounds so incredible. And, like, and I'm just gonna caveat all of this that yes, there's like a tragic, horrible history that kind of led to where they are now, Mm. but the town really embraces it and kind of understands that if they don't embrace it, they have they're at risk of the town like kind of disappearing. So, they really embrace this history, which I love, and yes. Okay, so this town is called okay. Trasmos and it's a tiny village in the province of Zaragoza, Aragon, Spain, that has been excommunicated and officially cursed by the Catholic Church and still to this day is excommunicated and not a single pope has revoked it. But why in the world would such a tiny town be excommunicated by the church, Corinne? What could have happened to cause such a drastic action? I mean, I can think
1: of a lot of things, (laughs) but I I won't say it. I think we all know some of the history of certain religions Yeah, and stealing from paganism and lots of stopping other groups from being able to practice their own beliefs. Exactly. Is it surprising? No, but do I want to hear about it? Yes. Yes, you do. Okay, so
2: nestled in the foothills of snow-covered Moncayo, See, I'm so sorry if I don't say things correctly. I even took okay, I took French. I had a nightmare last night. I took French for what 10 years in school and I had a nightmare last night that I was in France trying to speak French and my accent was so bad that everyone made fun of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean Was
2: that brought on Isn't by that this sort research? Of the refu-
1: no, well, maybe, probably, maybe, but I was just thinking like that is kind of the reputation, right? Like when Americans go to France, like and the French just hate to us. Speak English because they're like, do not butcher <laughs> our be, language. You your accent's gonna be plebe brutal, plebeian. Exactly. Okay. You plebe. <laughs> So
2: nestled in the foothills of this mountain range is a tiny town of just under 90 souls with a history of witchcraft, superstition, revenge, envy, and power. The town is called Trasmos. It was once a bustling community home to 10,000 people. But today it's a tiny village without any shops or schools and mostly dilapidated houses that can only be reached by secondary roads. It was transformed by witchcraft. And not necessarily in the way that we would all expect. So Trasmaz was first founded as a lordship in the 12th century. And for those who don't know, because I didn't, a lordship is basically a territory held by a lord, a landed estate that served as the lowest administrative and judicial unit in rural areas. Don't know. But Anyway. As with a lot of land in the Middle Ages, there was a feud over the control of Trasmaz between the Kingdom of Navarre and the Kingdom of Aragon. And I feel like I'm in Game of Thrones talking about this, <laughs> or in Outlander, like just like all the little like clans of people and kingdoms and and right. power. And it's just so different from what it. Yeah, it's so different yet so similar to what today is. Okay, so the two groups battled and fought over Trasmos for decades until the King of Aragon, Jaime I, conquered it in 1232. So by the 13th century, Trasmoz was flourishing and was a growing community of 10,000 people. They were diverse Jewish, Christian, Arab residents, and they were finding wealth from surrounding natural resources like iron, silver, water, and wood. But as you know, with resources, it was like a kind of you would trade and sell with the surrounding areas. And some resources were more popular in different areas. And like with many other villages and towns, at the top of the hill of Trasmoz was an omnipresent, overbearing stone castle called Castillo de Trasmos, Castle of Trasmos. And those who occupied the castle got very greedy. The natural resources were not enough for them. They wanted more, more wealth, more power, more control. So they began forging fake currency in the castle. And forging fake currency is a loud ordeal. And so to prevent those beyond the castle walls from investigating what they were doing, they began to spread rumors that the castle was full of witches and wizards who were casting spells and making potions overnight?
1: So they started I mean, the rumors. We want to go there more, I, right?
2: But I think <laughs> it was like instilling fear a little bit and saying there are these magic people at work here. Do not come bother them. Which, which is mm. one. I mean, of all the rumors you could spread about yourself, that feels maybe not the most wise. But
1: they did it. I guess, yeah, of the time, probably, yeah, not the best, no. So they But it's also rumor. hard to predict, like, what's to come. And there's been so many waves, yeah, too, yeah. in history of, like, it being accepted and then it, it not. And then it's mm-hmm. commonplace again and then it's not. So
2: it's, yeah. 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 I mean, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would ask them, why this? So they start the <laughs> rumor.
1: <laughs> of all questions for me I to just, ask. In my mind. In my mind, I'm picturing like this big adventure. Like you get like sucked and like we- weaving around in this time machine and put back, and you like journey across the lands, and you're like with like really in intense dirt. swelling music. There. Yes, yes, and it's all like the wind and everything, and you're finally in front I'm of the riding person, you riding a horse, to Alaskan, and then you just go, "Why this?" <laughs> <laughs> That's an Oscar during. I'm like, Oh my God, that's hysterical. All right. We should,
2: crin <laughs> this is one of our ideas that we want to do eventually, but we should reenact scenarios that we come up with in the podcast. So we're going to get a whole production yes. crew. We'll do a weird time machine thing. And then it will cut to me riding a horse through the hills of Spain, climbing over the mountain tops. And then approaching the castle late at night. It would be so good. And the anticlimactic end. So good. Why this?
1: That's exactly (laughs) why it's funny. So much effort for so few words.
2: It's perfect. And I only have like three seconds to ask a question. And that will be the only question I can ask. There's a lot of rules of time (laughs) traveling apparently. Okay. So they spread this rumor. And as we learned from Mean Girls, one rumor can spread like wildfire and can take on a life of its own and destroy lives. This story is no different. It's basically mean girls, is what I'm saying. That was a bad joke. That was bad joke. Bad joke, Sabrina. No, I'm kidding. You're a
1: genius. (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh, Sabrina, you cracked me. I had a lot of
2: coffee today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the rumors of witches and wizards at Castilla de Trasmas spread up to the Abbot of Verula, and the abbot was mad. So because at this time, Trasmas was not part of the Catholic Church, and meaning they didn't pay dues to the Verula Monastery. So the abbot hears of these witches' rumors and is like, oh my gosh, this is my chance to basically get them to pay fines. So he uses it to excommunicate all of Trasmas and punish them for practicing witchcraft. So the abbot hears about the witchcraft and uses it to excommunicate all of Trasmas and punish them for practicing witchcraft. But naturally, the residents of Trasmaz are like, what the heck, we refuse to pay any of these fines, and we're not going to repent like you want us to because we don't believe in your church. We don't want to be a part of it anyway. And so they're defying the Catholic Church. And then Verula, they start stealing water from Trasmaz, taking away their resources. And everyone's like all up in arms, literally. They take up weapons. They're ready for civil war. They're about to fight until King Ferdinand intervenes and is like, no, 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 no. is actually in the right. Rarula, you are being way too dramatic. Chill. But the Catholic, but the Catholic Church, that's my interpretation, of course. But the Catholic Church was feeling... Yeah, I'm
1: just, again, I'm picturing like a big scroll being opened and it's just like, chill. Chill. <laughs> chill. <laughs> it's like the so people like ride the horses to go to the trumpets and they pull out the scroll. <laughs> yeah. Chill, your royal honor. <laughs> has given you the message that reads chill chill
2: <laughs> oh i'm so historically accurate with my verbiage <laughs> that's what i'm hired for that's what you hired me for corinne i needed someone <laughs> to uh, be timely okay i thought this
1: was perfect yes
2: so again there's a lot of like I don't want to listen to your rules. I don't want to behave. I actually want to be feisty and vengeful. So the Catholic Church was just like, mm-mm, you know what, King Ferdinand, you said this, but mm-mm, not chilling. And so they cursed Trasmos, claiming that it had been corrupted by witchcraft and therefore was still excommunicated, and a, that's a curse that could only be lifted by another pope, and none has ever lifted it since which basically meant that they weren't allowed to go to confession or take the holy sacraments at the Catholic Church. So they are just like not acknowledged by the Catholic Church as like a place that can be part of the Catholic Church. According to legend, which I'm sure has also been grossly overdramatized with time, but alas, interesting to share, the abbot of Verula was so enraged that he stood on the altar of the church in the early hours of the darkest night, covered himself with a black veil, and held a cross as he read aloud Psalm 108 of the Bible. Who will lead me to the fortified city? And did you not go out, O God, with our armies? Give us help against the adversary, for vain is the help of man. And with each verse, according to legend, a bell was rung. And then he kept reading in dark, a deep voice, I imagine. And it was a sign to the whole village that this town was cursed and there was an evil spell amongst it.
1: That would be so scary too. Like if you truly believed the curse. Yeah. And that's what you were hearing. the, the This like speech happening and the bell ringing and it's like. Reverberating. You know, dark and yeah. you're. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And unfortunately, Trasmaz really didn't survive this excommunication. They began to suffer under the weight of the accusations and the reputation it had for black magic spread. People were accused of witchcraft, necromancy, satanic rituals, and all sorts of negative legends were spread. And the castle of Trasmaz burnt down in 1520, and the future in Trasmaz grew pretty grim. The castle was abandoned. The population of 10,000 slowly began to dwindle. And then Spain ordered the expulsion of Jews in 1492, followed by expulsion of Muslims. And then, you know, now with urbanization, it just basically kind of dwindled. The shops were left empty. Houses grew dilapidated until the town dwindled in size. And all that were left were less than a 100 people. A recent article that I read actually put the residents at a total of 62 currently today, and only half of them live in Trasmods permanently. 62, and only half of them live there permanently. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Which actually, Corinne, that's so a tiny. A town like that might be your dream. I feel like you would thrive it's basically in a a it. Tiny- yeah. <laughs> I love it sign me sign up sign me up well I'll learn Spanish yeah I feel like you have a um, well I only I think that because Lainey lived in Spain for so long so I feel like you speak Spanish Lainey still lives in Spain there you yeah, go my cousin
1: is fluent in Spanish there and you go. lives in Spain and has for why don't if you five go years? visit you
2: should go to Trasma's with her well no come with me why would I ever say I go somewhere without me why would I ever say that you can come okay thank you
1: and then Lainey can be our translator yes this is the perfect plan perfect
2: plan and I love like it. Like I said, when I started this story, this could be a tragic tale, a story told sadly as night falls in the dwindling town. But no, this town has looked itself in the mirror and said, You're a genius, and, and is embracing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> They're embracing it, and they turn this unhappy ending into something worth celebrating. They share the story with the world. It's a complicated history, but they embrace it. They've rebuilt the castle, and it is now a host to a witchcraft museum. It holds magical objects like cauldrons and brooms. There's a statue of Latia Casca, the last witch to be killed in Trasmos. She was killed in 1860 because people in the town blamed her for an epidemic. Apparently, she was accused of starting the epidemic with witchcraft in 1860, all because she was a more reserved, introverted soul. And as punishment, she was pushed. 1860
1: just feels so recent. I know. Well. This whole time you've been talking, I'm picturing like the 1500s.
2: Well, the it, it began in like 1200 and then the history kind of followed it.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: So she was pushed down a well to her death as punishment. And she was the last witch to die or last woman to die being accused of a witch in Trasmods. Every summer in June, Trasmaz hosts a Feria de Brujía y Magica, a fair of witchcraft and magic, which features an entire day of magical events, reenactments of the town's history. People dress up. People can enjoy a medieval camp and a market stocked with lotions and potions, all made from native plants with healing and hallucinogenic properties. There are parades, Ooh. live music, falconry demonstrations, hypnosis, magic shows fireworks and sword fighting, which sounds so
1: fantastic. Sounds like a dream. Wait, does everyone sword fight together or is it a show that you watch? I think you can either way I'm down. I think you can participate. I mean I took stage. Yeah combat. you know, know what me. you're doing.
2: Yeah.
1: And To top it all off, the
2: festival culminates in the town naming the Witch of the Year. One lucky resident is picked to parade down the street, give a speech, and carry the title of Witch of the Year for the entirety of the year until it's passed on the next year.
1: And this is the best. I I cannot believe this is a real place. I know. I feel like you're telling me the story, like the plot of (laughs) what would be my favorite novel ever. Oh my you God. You gotta go. So, Rui, I love that. Ruiz
2: Diaz, who's a resident of Trasmos and most recently elected Witch of the Year in 2008, said that you have to have a knowledge of herbal medicine in order to be the Witch of the Year. But most importantly, you have to be involved in the history and promotion of all things connected with Trasmos. To be a witch today is a badge of honor. And you bet that the residents of the town now embrace their witchy history and honor the pagan holidays. They celebrate All Saints Day and winter solstice and are very welcoming and open to the rituals to protect themselves from negative spirits, and it's a common thing for tourists to go and participate in these solstice rituals. And Ruiz said that the town isn't the kind of place filled with people who can get rid of the evil eye. Instead, they celebrate their history as a way to recover the village's link to witches while also reclaiming the persecution that these women were subject to, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, that is really nice. And as with, you know, any kind of complicated history, there are a few people in town who don't like it, but they also know that their town needs the festival or they risk disappearing. Even today, Ruiz says no one wants to consider asking the Pope to remove the curse or excommunication because it could ruin their town. Today, it's a popular tourist destination and they've embraced the history, but also because the poet Gustavo Aldolfo Bicur recovered from a severe tuberculosis bout in and around Trasmos, and he used to walk up to the castle. And so he would write in, in his poetry about Trasmos and romanticized it but also possibly fictionalize it a bit. But people will come to do like the same walk that he walked. Mm. And the best time to visit Trasma's is precisely at the end of October or beginning of November during the Festival of the Light of the Souls, which honors the dead and proceeds to the collection of pumpkins with their respective decoration workshops. The day usually culminates in the Procession of the Souls, which draws a path from the village church to the cemetery.
1: That is so cool. And that... That is so cool. Wait, we should put this in the... Sorry, on Discord, yeah. there's another channel that we have that's a private channel that's called like the TGOG road trip because we've always talked about like oh, going yes. and, and doing the road a road trip. Mm-hmm. And so in preparation for what will one day be our road <laughs> trip, uh, we made the Discord channel and I asked earlier today, I was like, are there any aside from like Salem, Massachusetts, yeah. what would also be a really like great place? to visit for, like, some sort of spooky Ooh. festival. And this, this would, would be, be This perfect. is, like, a perfect thing to add on the list. Yeah, this yes. and then
2: Halloween Town in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And there's another town that does, like, a big hmm. – there's so many. There's so many. Oh, wait, the place in right. – it's a, also a witch place. The place in Europe where if you walk around the building 13, 13 times oh. on Halloween. And then you, like, knock on the door or something. Yeah. You talked about that, yeah. like, such a long time ago. And there's also,
1: ago. like – oh, my God. I think it was, like, the first year we were doing this. <laughs>
2: The fact that you even remember. Yeah, there's that. so many. Yeah, there's so, there's many. so many. We'll keep talking about it.
1: Yeah. If you have suggestions, let us
2: know. Comment below. Can we do that now? Comment below. <laughs> <laughs> where is the
1: button? I literally have no idea where I think any of this stuff would be. We put
2: a button, no?
1: Oh, it would be somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere on this. Here, we'll just go like this. this? And then there will be at least one of them will work. <laughs> Comment at some below. point in one of these moments. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what is YouTube? It should work. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. We're excited to be on YouTube. We don't know how to YouTube. So wait. It is what I just is. got a great idea. What if like in the beginning of every episode, we high five and we
2: will like add the sound in later. Oh. Ready?
1: Oh my God. I love that. Ready? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. We're so awkward. <laughs> okay. Ready? Okay. Well, you, you count. I say nothing. Okay. I just clap. Three, two, one. Wait, why'd you just go so slow, Sabrina? Go half fast. Okay, we'll go fast. Okay. You're going like this. Like we are just touching him. Okay, ready? Three, okay. two. Like we go like, okay, three, two, wait. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Three, two. Wait, one. I was kidding. <laughs> I give up. I give up. I got impatient. I had to do the three, two, one myself. <laughs>
2: Sorry. If, if you're eight page, um, Ring PowerPoint didn't tell anything to anyone else. It's about control, control. control, baby. Control. Ah. Control.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Moving forward, though, you'll do it in the beginning. The three, two, one. one. Oh, wait. Where'd my hand go?
2: Why did did I do that? Why do I have no Uh spatial awareness? What's happening? Okay. Hey, we
1: haven't done the triangle yet either. There's a lot happening that is happening on video that I probably won't translate to audio, but but sorry. Not sorry. Sammy. Not sorry. okay tell (laughs) me a story corinne i will tell you a story and it i mean while tom our patreon donor picked this out i will say so we post on patreon and say basically like two weeks ahead of time what the topic will be Mm -hmm. and sometimes people give us suggestions or then they'll like send us our their related email or encounter but sierra had brought up in patreon when we posted about this she said have you heard of Linda Green? You should talk about Linda. Green. I don't know Linda Green, and that that is what led me to Linda Green and her cult, the Samaritan Foundation. Oh, it is fascinating. Okay, okay. So my resources for this research primarily came from articles written by Jack Helbig, David Ferris, Strange but True, and Strange, 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 so Strange. I like that name. Strange, Strange, Strange. I know. I can't even say it. Strange, every fast, Strange, but Strange. But Obviously, right up our alley. Yeah. So now, this is not to say, and I think we like already somewhat prefaced this episode by saying like the cult is not bad. Yeah. When we hear people speaking about the occult, oftentimes it's it's to induce fear, right. to incite fear. And there are many times, too, where, like, Sabrina and I, you and I together, we'll be talking about certain haunted places. And part of the reason why it's haunted is, like, because there were cult practices there right and all this stuff. And it's not to say that any of this stuff was bad. It's just meant to say that there was this connection there, right. that these locations and these people are opening up and yeah. there's potential for something darker to take advantage. It's not li- unlike any religion yeah. or really any belief where you throw your energy I was something. just going
2: to say, like, I feel like with anything in the world, people can take it to a negative extreme, even if the intentions were positive. And it's not to say that every exactly every person who practices X Y Z religion is a bad person. It's just that there are people
1: who can go either way. It's like when we talk about aliens and cryptids. It's like, well, and ghosts. Yeah. Like literally anything. Where it's like, well, sometimes there's good, sometimes there's bad. Yes, and that's just the, the way cosmic of the cosmic balance, that's just the natural state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so. For the Samaritan Foundation, it was a quasi-religious group with which advocated a blend of holistic medicine and New Age practices. They studied alien abductions <gasps> and demonic possession. Stop! So it's like, oh my god, like, we would have signed I for up. Sure we would have. Yeah. Like, oh my god. It, yeah, it sounds so yeah. great, and I think a lot of other people thought it yeah. sounded freaking fascinating too. So, yeah, you and I would probably join Sabrina. I would. um, But the leader of this, the founder of this foundation, Linda, Linda Green, she seemed to be a bit more troubled with her beliefs. And like many other cult leaders, she spiraled. Hmm. And Linda believed that she was Christ because she willingly gave her soul so that all of her followers could live. She also relied on a pendulum to answer a lot of her and – her followers questions Mm -hmm. which isn't bad and and also used it to like you know remove evil you know find energy like people use it all the time in like reiki and chakra energy clearing and whatnot however for linda it was a little bit different because she believed the barcodes on products were evil so like this the scanned barcode oh and so her and all of her followers would swing pendulums around the barcodes for anything that they bring Bring home Whoa. from the grocery store or from wherever. So like there was a lot of these like odd little things, and people right. got really extreme and super into it and started using the pendulum to like you know it was taking over people's lives. I was gonna say that seems very time consuming to do that to everything you bring home. Yeah. Well, so what time yes, period exactly. is this? What where where are we time wise? We are in the 1990s. Well, I guess 1980s bleeding into the okay. 1990s. Okay. Oh, so not 2000s. too long ago. Not too long ago. I mean, she started. So like the foundation took a little while for for her to actually like full on start it, but yeah. like she had already been writing and and doing her teachings and everything. And she was, I believe she was. Oh, I'm going to butcher this because I d- totally didn't write it down, but I think she was like she was like a poet and an author, and I think she was like a nurse. Like she had all of these ordinary things. The more in you her talk about her, that-
2: the more I think we might be becoming Linda Green.
1: I freaking hope not, <laughs> Sabrina. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is all to say, I will preface this by saying, Linda, I think very much needed help. Oh, okay. And her family did end up putting her into treatment for mental disorders. And so I think there was a lot of things that went untreated. Yeah, yeah. But that's not to say, that's still not an excuse for what happened, nor is an excuse for the hundreds of people that still followed her. Okay. So there was a lot of people, she just had a lot of persuasion and she really believed the things that she believed. Okay. 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 So telephones were also to be avoided as vampires could gain access to them and steal your soul. So if you were a part of this foundation, if you were a follower of the Samaritan Foundation, you needed to communicate either in person, writing a letter, or using a fax machine. Wow. Because your soul needed to be protected from vampires. She also spoke about spiritual waste and how you could propel this bad waste into celebrities because celebrities are zombies with no souls who feel nothing from the procedure. Oh, my God. So you could just toss your spiritual and energetic waste onto them. For example, Roseanne Arquette was a ray octave zombie. Madonna was a Nephilim zombie. And Bill Clinton was a animal mutant zombie. And there were just like all of these specifications for what types of zombies all of these celebrities were. Okay. So people were like meditating and like pushing their energy. Have you watched What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show? No. Okay. So
2: there's a movie. No. And then I think it's Taiko with Titi, I think. Or he's acting in it. I don't know. Anyway, but then there's a show and there's a uh, energy vampire that sucks energy away from people. So just being around him, like he gets his, instead of blood sucking, he gets his energy from like sucking energy away from people. So everyone's like really depressed around him. Oh,
1: kind of like a dementor or like, uh, oh my gosh, in Halloween town, Cal- Calabar's revenge. Remember? He just like sucks the soul. Oh, Everyone's yeah. like just a zombie. Yeah, they're walking zombie around. walking. Yeah, it's kind of like a that. shell of themselves. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe Linda was kind of onto something here. I don't know. Yeah. Who am I to say? Uh, but these were just basically a few examples where people's beliefs in this group right. and Linda's beliefs became a little too fantastical and their grip with reality started to sever. Yeah. And unfortunately for Linda Green and her followers, the followers of the Samaritan Foundation. This led to a murder within the group. Oh, no. So this is kind of like almost like a true crime crossover I'm going to tell (laughs) you Any excuse to slip in true crime. Right. So Alan Ross, he was the unsuspecting victim. And in an article written by David Ferris, David stated, Alan Ross was a free spirit. He wore thrift store clothes and Converse tennis shoes. To complement his tall, gangly frame, his glasses contributed to his meek yet intellectual appearance. A filmmaker, Ross helped create a foundation that helps struggling artists find resources to complete their projects. Yeah, which is really sweet. Like, he's obviously involved in the community and everything. With enthusiasm bordering on eccentric, Ross dove into the paranormal. In 1986, he began to dabble in the occult, or as he called it, the mysteries, with his live-in girlfriend, Flanagan McKenzie. By early 1992, their relationship was waning, but they remained friends, united by an interest in the supernatural. Then, McKenzie heard about a lady from Guthrie, Oklahoma, which Mm. was this lady, Linda, who was conducting seminars at a hotel near the O'Hare Airport that involved the use of pendulums for spiritual awareness. Alan Ross had everything, the love and support of his family and friends, high status in his professional community. And then one day, he abandoned his near perfect life, left Chicago, and moved to Oklahoma. And so this is what happened to Alan. Like, he he was dating this girl. They were super into sort of – yeah. it's like you and I, Sabrina. Like, if, if I started talking to you about this thing, all of these, like, readings that I – read and all of these teachings and like started getting you into it and you're like oh i'm super into that too and that's what happened to him he followed his intrigue like he was a filmmaker he was a storyteller he was a fan of the supernatural so naturally he was once he was introduced to linda green's teachings he was like i want to learn more right and and as we know with cult behavior
2: it's it's so subtly happening that you don't realize it like they're just slowly isolating you from your family and your friends and making you think this is the only thing that's important in your life. And then, yeah.
1: Yeah. I know I didn't write about this, but I'll just say it really quick. There was uh, most of what we know about the teachings of the Samaritan Foundation Mm -hmm. were only public because there was this woman who lived in Somerville, Massachusetts, like literally 10 minutes away from where I am right now, who started receiving these pamphlets and these teachings from Linda and asked her husband if she could take her, their two kids to Oklahoma for this like 10 day retreat that was happening. It was going to be like the, Opportunity of a lifetime, like right. so freaking cool. So he was like, okay. And then they get there. And this is, this is why you made me think of it was cause you were like, it, it's like a slow introduction. And I think ordinarily it is, but as soon as you're there, you get sucked yeah. in really fast because yeah. it was a 10 day retreat and he immediately was like, something's wrong because oh, wow. his family stopped talking to him. <gasps> if they did make contact, it was like so brief. Then she didn't return with the kids. He basically had to like get involved. There was, The court, the trial, the kids were, like, summoned back. And all a lot of this came out in terms of, like, the beliefs with the vampires and everything. So that's why we know so much – Of what we know, like without that case, we probably wouldn't have known half of what. Oh wow, this group believed in or what Linda was teaching people. But yeah, so Alan, he was he was into it, and he had a close group of friends in Chicago. But he was also pretty introverted. And then so then when he moved in with this cult, he still kept in touch with his friends in Chicago, but never really said much. About what was going on and, and what he was doing with the group, he was notorious for sending these postcards that had like four words on it, mm-hmm. like basically what I was kind of laughing about with you in the beginning when you were like, "Why though? Like what? <laughs> yeah, what's up? Like why this? Like just a few words? Yeah, yes." So he was very very brief. But one thing that did end up happening to him when he lived there was that he ended up marrying Linda Green, and he traveled oh, with the
2: group. Oh, is not where I thought this was going.
1: Yeah. So here's a weird detail for you. Okay. So at one of Linda's retreats before they were married, Alan was a part of this retreat where all of the cup, co- all of these people of opposite sexes, I think maybe opposite sexes. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but two people at the retreat were paired up together and they were married. So Alan had ended up marrying this woman that he'd only known for three days that was at the retreat. He goes back to Chicago, tells his friends and family, and they're all like, what the fuck? But regardless, he's super into it. Like, he, with cults, you can't you can't pull someone back right. to reality very easily. Yeah. So that's what happened to him, and then he eventually, after that, moves full time back to Oklahoma. And Linda then tells her followers that she's sick, and in order to be healed, this woman, this wife of Alan and Alan, need to have sex with each other on top of her, on top of Linda. I'm sorry. so they do. <laughs> have just just say you want to have sex with Alan. Like I it's also just am okay. trying to picture it: sex on top of her. Th- yeah, so I know she just that's lays there flat, I, like literally. Yeah, and just like has them roll. On top. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who that's and more also, uncomfortable. I want to know: like, did this happen in front of everyone else? Was this like a ritual? Like, was this like a sex show? Was it on stage, or was this like in private? I need more information. I have so many questions, but we won't get it. I have so many logistical questions. I know. Uh, yeah. Anytime there's more than two, I have a lot of questions. Also, uh, so, okay, no, I'll move on. My brain is still
2: there. But no, I, say will, what you want to say? No, I just, I just, how did people react to that question? How do you ask someone to have sex on top of you? It <laughs> just, I'm just imagining myself asking someone to have sex on top of me, but not, have sex with me and just i can't imagine that the response would be positive
1: well it just reminds me of all of those cult documentaries like what, what was the wild wild country or, yeah yeah with the ma anon sheila and yeah that that whole group nexium too it just yeah yeah exactly yeah. like people people just look around and no one else thinks it's odd so then they're like oh i guess this is it yeah and just i like, think the first time you let yourself do following. it then you're just like yeah Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, so she asks them to have sex on top of her, and they do, and then Linda declares that she has been healed, so the sex worked, and then that she's actually going to take Alan as her husband. So what did Alan's now, girlfriend
2: Alan, or wife think or do? Do we know? We don't have these okay. – we don't have these don't details. Have the no, there's
1: like – there's so much missing. There's not – there's so much missing. Right. I mean, maybe someone does. Maybe there's a documentary that, like, goes through all of this. But I think most of the documentaries out there are more specific to, like, Alan's disappearance. Oh, gotcha. And there's not that much that we can find out about the Samaritan Foundation. Okay. And especially, like, what was happening towards the end of it before it dissolved. Okay. So, anyway, so she takes Alan as her husband. And now Alan, he's full-fledged. Samaritan Foundation guy. He's the husband to the leader. But he was still very active in the film community. Like, you would think at that point that, like, all other contact would be shut off. And to a point... Right. It sort of was. Like, he was giving people, like, fake phone numbers and addresses and stuff like that. But... He still was working on documentaries, shooting film, like being an active participant in that community. And he was down on the Mississippi River working as a cameraman for another company, this German documentary maker, mm-hmm. when Alan suddenly just stops answering calls. Oh, Alan's dad was the last person to speak with him. And then there was silence. <gasps> and then a month later, someone at the film production office had a call from Alan to wire the final paycheck. And then there was nothing again, no calls, oh no gosh. letters, no way to contact him, absolutely nothing. And remember, they don't have, they like, don't have phones. Basically, right. They don't use phones. Yeah. Vampires, vampires. Will steal your soul if you, yeah. 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 So, I mean, Alan was quiet. He was, but he was a well liked guy. He had a lot of friends. His family said he never missed a holiday, never like missed calling them or right. doing, like making some sort of contact. But for him to just drop off the face of the earth, was super alarming for everyone. And so his family, they were like, okay, maybe he'll get back to us. So they waited. They didn't hear anything. And then they became increasingly concerned. They hired a private detective who zeroed in on Alan's wife, Linda Green, and started to kind of gather whatever information he could on her. And then Alan's family also consulted two psychics – who told them both, both the psychics told them that Alan was alive. One said that he was suffering from like a psychotic break. Another person said that he'd hit and injured his head. I think they both said that, or at least one of them said that he was alive in Texas. Another one said that he would come back and return and like make contact by Christmas or by the Uh end of the year. But, But he doesn't. There's no word from him. Oh no. And so rumors spread, articles are written, police are scoping out. The House in Guthrie, Oklahoma, which was listed as the Samaritan Foundation's last address. Like, people are asking questions. He's friends with all of these filmmakers right. and documentary makers. So, like, some of his friends are getting together and, like, starting interviewing – like, using their tools and resources and hobbies to try to right. freaking find what find Alan. It was not – it was a manhunt to find Alan. It wasn't a manhunt to find out what happened to Alan because they all thought he was alive. Right. So, now – at this point, the Samaritan Foundation. There's very little membership happening because the trial had already happened with that woman from Somerville, Massachusetts. So there's there's information that's out there that makes it look bad to be a part of this right. group. So it's, and so it's people started public. to really distance. Exactly, they start distancing themselves. And even before Alan's disappearance, the group was also involved in and like suspected of a possible terrorist bombing. What? And Alan was pulled in and questioned by the police in this case. So people were just like, "Oh my god, things are that? like going off the rails." Like I should have done more research, but this was already like eight pages long. So I was like, "I'm just going to leave <laughs> leave it at that." You would just spit everywhere. But does <laughs> a subtle throw yeah. in a terrorist bombing <laughs> just? T- potential terrorist bombing. Oh my god! Yeah, I think it was in Oklahoma or maybe it was so Chicago are, or something. But they are really going off the rails a bit. Yes, things are happening. This yeah. is very like Waco, Texas, and it's all culminating it's there. Yeah, exactly. So when Alan disappeared, the Samaritan Foundation they had just four members. They had Linda Green, who was the leader. They had Alan Ross, who was who was who we're talking about, yeah. and was her husband. They had Linda's friend Julia. And then Linda's fourth husband, Dennis Green, who she divorced from just before Alan and her married. So Alan is her fifth husband. So it all comes out that Dennis, the fourth husband, called... Cheyenne police in Wyoming, not, so we're, we're not even in Oklahoma anymore. He calls the Cheyenne police and tells them that Linda killed Alan in Cheyenne. So not in their house where they had lived in, in Oklahoma, but that she killed Alan and told them where to find Alan's body. And that Julia helped bury him. And while this is happening, Linda is sending faxes to Guthrie's police department, their, like, local Oklahoma police department, stating that Dennis killed Alan and where to find the body. And remember, like, Linda thinks that vampires will take her soul through the phone. So she's – these are all faxes. She's not calling anyone. And she's telling them that she's being set up. She's nothing to do with it. It's all Dennis. And that his body is not in the house in Guthrie, but instead in a crawl space in another house in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So basically, they told on themselves. Right. And this was like a year after he disappeared. So there must have been a lot happening between the the – Right. Like something had to have happened for them to just like – At the same time – Turn turn on on each each other. other. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we don't know exactly what happened. But the police go to this house. They dig. They find nothing. The case goes cold. Alan's considered missing, not murdered. But then five years later, the police revisit the scene. Like, it's about to be officially, like, cold case, like, locked away, not touched again. They go and they revisit the scene and they're examining it. And then they notice that there's, like, a little shoe, like a Converse shoe poking out. And then they start digging and they find Alan's body exactly where. How did they miss? They said it would be. His body the first time. That is the question that everyone keeps asking. How? everyone is so frustrated. There's all of these journalists that have been following the case since right. Alan first went missing, and we're like kind of clued into it. And it's like the biggest thing where they're like, "What the hell happened? Like, what yeah. is their excuse? How did they not? Especially if they were told exactly if where- it's exactly where where they said it was. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's For them to not do like a little more. Anyway. Who knows? Yeah. Five years later, they wow they found his body. So the autopsy discovered or or found that Alan had been shot twice, once in the head. Oh, no. And that he was castrated. Oh, my gosh. Linda was asked again who killed Alan, and she said, the specialist. Shit. Once they go too far into mind control, they terminated him. That's all I'm allowed to say. It's top secret. It's like, clearly there's. Yeah. She's she's giving different versions of events the entire time. Right. She's not doing well at this point yeah linda never went to jail because just one year later at 50 years old due to liver failure from alcoholism she passed away oh no linda suffered from hearing voices in her head and left untreated for a long time despite some of her family's interventions at certain points Uh, she tried to drink a lot to try to stop hearing those voices which is really really sad. sad so Her friend Julia, who helped bury Alan, got two years in prison for being an accessory after the fact to murder. And then Dennis, though there was some evidence suggesting that he was involved, was never tried for anything because there just wasn't enough reliable evidence, especially because the two witnesses, which were Julia and Linda, definitely were not reliable. Right, right. So obviously this case is horrible, and what sounded like an amazing foundation, an amazing occult organization Mm -hmm. in the beginning spiraled into something that was like absolutely atrocious people were losing touch and alan lost his life because of it and a lot of other families similar to any cult were broken up because that's what it was becoming it was no longer a celebration for everyone and a chance to explore certain things of the world together it very much became a cult where like again like you were saying sabrina you're you're taken from your family and you're yeah, like your ties are severed and you're encouraged and you're, to basically yeah.
2: make it your whole life. And you're taught not to trust anything or anyone else outside of the organization. So you have it, – it's kind of like the unreliable right. narrator of, uh, in your life. It's like someone's telling you mm-hmm. that everything else in your life is like a lie. And so you don't know what to right. believe and you can only believe that one person.
1: Exactly. And I think Linda was very persuasive That's and sad. a lot of people did believe that. So. Wow. Yeah. The case is horrible. A cult leader suffered greatly in her life and then ended up murdering her husband. There's magic. There's mediums. There's so much threaded through this case and this occult organization. But one thing that's very fascinating to me that I want to bring up outside of this actual organization and Alan's murder Was that the house where they were originally investigating Alan's disappearance Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma, that house that they had set up shop that the Samaritan Foundation lived in and all these people came and, like, it was basically like a – just like a drop-down house for anyone to come live in was a house that had a very brutal past and is super haunted. What? So I'm going to tell you just a blurb about this house. Oh, my gosh. So – this structure in Oklahoma, it was built in 1892, 15 years before Oklahoma became a state, which I was like, 1892. 18, Wait, 1892? 1892? Oklahoma a state? Doesn't that seem crazy? It
2: does, I should have checked that. It does, but then it also but, relative to our American history like I guess that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, cuz it was only 100 years after after what? <laughs> the Declaration oh, of Independence. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> history yeah. is not my forte. After we like started I do love Didn't history. Didn't you watch Hamilton? I did. I learned all history from Hamilton. The I musical.
2: did. I do love history, but I feel like I retain it for a small amount of time, and then and then I take yeah. up space with TikTok now, right? Because you've
1: well, and it's, me. it's hard because half of the stuff we learned when we were like in sixth grade, I know. and I was like, well, I don't remember those details. And I also a lot of other things I feel to worry like about the way that, that age.
2: we were taught was just like memorize quickly so that you can get a good grade, rather than like embrace and really yep. like retain the information.
1: And exactly, yes, yes. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So before Oklahoma was a state, the structure was built for a, to be a prison. So it was this prison. The oh. walls were 18 inches thick with dark limestone and brick walls. It was the first federal prison in the Midwest and supposedly it was inescapable. <laughs> Referred to by inmates as the Black Jail, this place held 90 prisoners. It had a basement for solitary confinement and it had no insulation for winter, Whoa. no heat relief in the summer. Inmates suffered from dehydration, the flu, respiratory infections, and at least one person died. Wow. Wow. At one point, it housed famous Wild West criminals, Dalton Gang, and Bill Doolin. And Bill even managed to escape this unescapable. I think there was like fourteen people that escaped. Right. So not really. I feel like every but every like big prison's like we are unescapable. Right. Well, don't they hire? I swear, I watched a video years ago of this guy whose job is literally to be put in prison. There's and none movie. of the guards or inmates. There's a movie like about that. It Was did I just watch the movie? You may have watched right? or, or the trailer. Or like I'm remembering yeah. it as being real. Yeah, I mean, we like maybe it's, it's his based entire on job. A real
2: thing, yeah. To to try yeah, to break where, out. Like, he has
1: to test out the security mm-hmm. of the prison. Okay, maybe it was just <laughs> a movie. <laughs> but, but I believe I that that's to a think job. That that's a true job. I believe it. That would be cool. Yeah, that would. be cool. I believe cool. it too. It's like an escape I mean, room. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? Especially after that movie came out. If it wasn't a job, make it a job. That's a good idea. Fine, Find It's a new a
2: new uh avenue for you and I to to explore. If the CIA
1: won't take <laughs> us, then we need to escape prison. I would not do well. In I would prison, not. Let me tell you that. No. No. Okay, so this jail, once it is eventually closed, it's abandoned, and then it reopens sometime. Later, as the Nazarene Church, before they left, abandoned this place again, and then eventually is purchased by Linda Green and the Samaritan Foundation. So the mater- Samaritans who killed Alan Ross, I guess. Uh, they lived in this building, and this building had already seen a ton of struggling and desperate people, illnesses, yeah. and disease, and death, which is why I feel like it's no surprise that things started to spiral for them all There is there. F- and, are there photos uh, of this place? It's
2: because I'm so I curious could definitely pull some up. what it looked like between the transitions like a prison to a church to a home. Those are all very different. Oh. Like, I'm curious what it looked like when you lived there.
1: Yeah. Here, let me show you a picture. Okay. This is – so it's in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Guthrie – I'm not really sure how to say it. But I guess it kind of makes sense, like, based on how the structure – wait, let me turn up. I'm not making the same mistake I did last time where you were like, your brightness, I can't see. So here –
2: Oh. Oh, okay. I could – okay. So it's big enough. Yeah, it's pretty big.
1: Like, I feel like it could even be, like, a school. It does. Like, it could be – It's one of those things where it could basically be anything. Yeah. It's set up so that – it, yeah, it's just like a giant rectangular brick building. yeah. yeah. I mean, it only housed 90 people too when it was a prison. Right. So I guess it
2: makes sense. I guess I'm picturing – because you said at the end of the Samaritan group, it was like four people really. So I'm imagining four people living Mm -hmm. in there. I'm like, that's massive. But at some point it was much bigger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know if they – right. I assume they still lived there because I know the phone calls – I mean, Linda was contacting that local police department while – Dennis was contacting the police department of the place they actually, like, buried, killed and buried Alan in. So it's all spaced out. And there's not a ton of answers. Because, again, like, Linda passed away and she wasn't able to give an accurate account. Right. And then there was a lot of finger pointing from the other two involved, too. So. And probably a lot of, like,
2: self-protection finger pointing. So it's like the narrative isn't actually true. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay, so this two-story building, it rattles with the sound of metal doors slamming shut. Which, by the way, there's only one metal door left in the whole building on the property today. And then the basement, the hallways, and the first floor are accustomed to phantom disembodied voices drifting through. And the illnesses that once overtook the prison left a lasting stain as you can hear coughing inside of old cells. Children are also heard playing outside of it, which maybe could have been... I don't know, like a residual haunting of From the, church. the Samaritan Foundation oh, yeah. when they were there because there were like, I think like kids. 12 kids at one point. What is it or now? Or the church. What is it when? now? I think it's just abandoned. Oh. I'm not sure. That's a great question. We I don't know. find out. Yes. Yeah. You're asking me a lot of questions. I don't know. The to this <laughs> episode. That's like, okay. Oh my gosh, a terrorist bombing. What happened? I'm like, I don't know. Probably should have looked that <laughs> We'll cut know. those There's out. So we'll much cut it going out. On. We'll cut
2: out all my questions.
1: No, no, no. We got to keep okay. them. Okay. Keep me accountable. I'll do more research next time. Okay, so while there are clearly many spirits in this space, there are two better-known people, two better-known spirits, who Ooh. haunt the property. The first is a woman wearing a long patterned dress, a large hat, and white gloves. And she's usually heard singing near the main entrance, Ooh. but she's also seen around dusk, crossing the street, coming back towards the building, towards the entrance. And witnesses believe that she was once a member of the Nazarene Church yeah. and that she was there prior to you know the Samaritan right. Foundation moving in. The second spirit... And the most notorious is a man named James Phillips. He was a prisoner when it was a, a prison at the Black the Black Jail, and now James, well, he's still there, obviously. He's haunting it, but he wasn't in prison just for like a petty crime. I feel like I pictured a lot of people in the Wild West like being in in jail for stupid ass shit, yeah. <laughs> like they are today but at the same time i want to also preface this as, as saying that it was the the wild west uh-huh. and there's still people who were falsely convicted and in jail today so this is kind of reminding me a little bit of um oh my gosh what's the old, the old charleston jail La, Lavinia La, Fisher La, Lavinia yeah. Fisher it's a, it's maybe a, I yeah, i don't you know, really know yeah. he, if yeah. he did it or not yeah so i don't want to speak too rudely about him just in case his crimes were not actually was, what he yeah Exactly. Okay. So he was a prisoner because he was convicted of murdering a local man. James was arrested. He was thrown into jail. And he was the first white man sentenced to be hanged at the jail in the summer of 1907. Wow. And he never really made it to his hanging, to the gallows, to his conviction. Because instead, he watched from his tiny cell – window of solitary confinement as guards constructed the gallows to carry out his sentence later that day and he collapsed and he died. And coroners concluded oh. that it was due to heart failure, that he died of fright oh my watching gosh. what was t- I know it like Ugh. made me really sad. It does make me to sad. Learn that. Yeah. And unfortunately for James, he never got to leave. Almost immediately following his death, guards, other prisoners, people visiting the jail all claimed to hear his footsteps moving through his cell. And his spirit still remains on the property. He's seen peering out of the jail cell windows and wandering the halls leading up to the jail. And if you don't see him, you may hear him. Oh, oh no! Because he sobs. Oh no! In his cell. <laughs> oh no! That breaks my heart. I know. I I have chills, like not because of uh, ghostly things, but because I yeah. It just, I hope that that's just so a residual
2: sad. haunting, and that his spirit is. I do like that his spirit can wander around, like he's not stuck and refined to just that space that he to was held in. But that, at least it didn't seem like that. Yeah, but. that he can wander around, and I hope that the crying is just residual and not something that his soul <laughs> has to keep enduring.
1: Right. Ugh. I know. I don't want anyone to, no matter what people did, with the exception of a couple people in history, yeah. I want their, them to, like, find, find, find peace. some peace, you know? I know. I know. Yeah. Or at least get to, like, try again in your next life. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, to wrap this up, the Samaritan Foundation was surrounded by spirituality, hauntings, and darkness. They lived together in a haunted home. They let themselves get lost in these wondrous and often terrifying ideas, and they watched as people abandoned their families to be closer to Linda's teachings. They married fellow Samaritans who knew them for only three days, and they bared witness to Linda's murderous hands. This case is so big, there's so many more details about the Samaritan Foundation and the people who followed it, but not nearly enough time to make it make sense and to truly understand what happened to Alan Ross. Right. But that is the Samaritan Foundation, the murder of Alan Ross, and the cult house, the Black Jail. Wow, so Perfecta. much in one, Corinne. We got cults, I we know. got true crime, we got ghosts, we got
2: witches, it, we got vampires, aliens, everything.
1: Yeah, literally, yeah, everything. Wow. Zombies. Zombies. Zombie celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot going on. There was. There was – and there was so much more. Like, there was so much more for me to read, too. And you can go through, like, you know, all of the court documents and everything. But I – yeah. Culture is so complex. This could easily – if there anyone else has, like, a – I was just going to say, if anyone else has a podcast where they do, like, really deep (laughs) dive, like, this could be, like, a five-part episode. I will listen to it. Just this one Let us know if
2: you guys do that because we will listen. It's so interesting. I feel like every – Every organization like this, a cult, whatever it may be, there's so much, one, unknown, and two, there's so much to be discussed because, you know, I feel like a lot of them start from a good place and then it gets complicated and, you know, people get mm-hmm. lost in the idea of power and control and then yeah. they just spin it so out of control and then it turns into this. It's right. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating subset it of fascinating.
1: psychology. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's just so there's so many layers, and there's like a lot of patterns too that you can discover. But then again, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, in the right conditions, like I might accidentally find myself in a cult too. You never know. Yeah. Until you live it, you don't you don't know. Right.
2: And I always joke that this is a cult. It's not, but that's also what cult leaders would say.
1: It is not. So this isn't a cult. But this this is is not a triangle. This is a Bermuda triangle. This is a
2: Bermuda triangle. (laughs) We just get lost in we get lost in the fun of ghost stories. Yes, and you, you you can escape it. We're not keeping you here. I mean, you can try to but escape it. But we hope it. you stay. You can try to escape it, but our <laughs> ghost will follow you and haunt you. We're
1: going to make it really hard to,
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't oh. take you away from your families, we promise. No, we won't oh gosh, isolate you. We'll bring, we'll your, bring your families, families with together. us, everyone. Yeah,
1: bring everyone. We're, like, more the merrier. Sabrina always says world domination because that's the point. Like, we all want everyone together. Yeah, it's to just positive vibe. domination. Right. Exactly. We want everyone
2: to look in the mirror and say, you're a genius. Ghosts are real. You're a genius. You're a genius. Ghosts (laughs) Ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. (laughs) Okay. I have a listener story from our listener, Melissa, and it is called, My Parents Conjured My Guardian and Then Couldn't Put Him Back. Hello, ladies. My name is Melissa, and I started listening to you about a year ago, and I'm not quite yet caught up. You make me look forward to my long work commute. She got lost in the triangle. I have a few crazy stories, but my favorite is the one about how my parents and their witch coven called a spirit to protect me and then screwed up putting him back where they found him. I love everything horror and haunted, which I get from my mother. My parents are Wiccan and also practice witchcraft, so my childhood was filled with a lot of magic and magical creatures, which is the best. I'm envious of this childhood. I know. But much to my parents' disappointment – just kidding, I'm their favorite only child – I grew up cranky and skeptical and pretty conservative in my beliefs. I believe fully that us silly humans only understand a tiny fraction of what's out there, but I'm still extremely judgy. Believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. That being said, I'm pretty sure I have a guardian spirit. So here's the story. I started dating my now husband when we were 15. He always talked about how haunted the woods around his house were, and we had many experiences in those woods, including four separate sightings of Bigfoot. But that's a separate story, which, Melissa, no! we need it. This is this story. Come on. <laughs> this story is great, too, but we do need Melissa's Ugh. other story. Okay. Yes. One night, I was spending the night at his home, and I was just drifting off to sleep, when I felt my boyfriend get into bed and curl up against my back. He slid his hand up onto my shoulder and squeezed, which woke me up a bit. The grip then tightened, and then the fingers felt longer somehow, and I realized the nails were digging into my shoulder and they were sharp. At this point, I am fully awake and panicking. I had no idea what to do since this thing was between me and the door. I was planning my escape when suddenly there was a bright blue flash, like lightning, only it lasted longer and faded very, very slowly. The body behind me was immediately gone, and I felt this really calm and warm feeling. I ran out of the room, and my boyfriend had been downstairs the whole time. He wasn't entirely convinced that I wasn't dreaming, and honestly, neither was I. But a few days later, I told my mom about the experience. When I got to the part where I saw the flash, she stopped me. She looked surprised and asked, Did the light look like lightning, except it was slower? I said, Yes. And she said, Huh, I guess we never did put him back. What? What, Mom? What, what? did you do? She explained to me oh that my when. God. <laughs> huh, guess we never did put him back. Huh. She explained to me that when I was younger, I had terrible night terrors. I actually remember these and believe they were actually sleep paralysis. She said I would just wake up screaming every night. My parents were worried that I was being tormented by something evil, so their coven conjured up a spirit to help protect me. The deal was it would help me for a year, and then they were to release it. So they decided to conjure a water spirit, which they took from the lake that we lived on. The night terrors did eventually stop, and one year later, the coven got back together to put the spirit back. The only problem was that in their haste to help me, they didn't consider the fact that that a year later the lake may be frozen since they did the original conjuring during a fairly warm winter. There they were, a bunch of witches in robes in the middle of the night prepared to do a ritual in the middle of a suburban working class town in the 80s, and one of them had to use his, <laughs> use his ritual axe to chop a hole in the ice. They are lucky they didn't have the police called on them or worse. Anyway, after all that, it turns out they either didn't put him back properly or he never wanted to leave me anyway. That was the only time I've ever seen him, but who knows? Maybe he is working behind the scenes or has found a new home in the property I live in now, which has two rivers flowing through it. I am also obsessed with water and will jump into any water I come across at any time. I wonder if you have a spirit attached to you for long enough. Maybe a little bit of them becomes a part of you. Thanks so much for all you do. You are amazing. Love and light, Melissa.
1: I mean, (laughs) it sounds like she – It's like – a and dream, flustered. like I want a group of witches to summon a water spirit to protect me. I know. Me. I know, me too. What's the what's the downside of having it just protect you forever? I think they just
2: kind of made a deal with the spirit saying like, "Hey, can you just help Melissa for a year?" But
1: in to not take advantage yeah, of they, the spirit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which maybe That makes me think that the spirit actually really likes Melissa and decided to take her on full time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a manager. You've been promoted. <laughs> yeah (laughs) or reminds me like big mouth like a a hormone monstrous. you know they yeah they've just the spirit was like you know what? i think melissa needs me by her side and maybe the spirit wanted maybe the spirit has freedom you know comes and goes and comes to melissa's aid when melissa needs him her
1: whatever the spirit may be right and yeah just yeah i guess i'm curious too like In terms of the process of summoning that spirit, like how you exactly make the deal and can the spirit – like do you have to – if the spirit has the choice basically perhaps to potentially stay with her or with whoever the spirit's been summoned to help. Do you even have to put them back? Can they just put themselves back? Like, what is the I don't know. what's the practice? Like, what can they do versus what you have to do? I have so many Melissa, questions. can we interview your parents?
2: And also, Melissa, are you a part of this coven now? Do you believe fully now, M- Melissa? We need more, right? I, growing up with a with your parents being in a coven sounds amazing, and I love that, Melissa's This feels like skeptical. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah. doesn't it? Or like the original Sabrina. Yeah, and I love that Melissa's the skeptical one, and she's just like, I grew up with this. I don't know. Like, I believe in it, but I also don't believe in it, and I'm more skeptical than my parents. Yeah. Oh, I'm not skeptical. Oh, at all, I believe us. We I fully think you believe. should too, Melissa. But Melissa, we have
1: we have follow up questions. We do. We do. We do. We often do. And we're really envious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I have an angelic encounter, Ooh. and this is from Beatriz. Which already is such like a cool witchy vibe name, right? (laughs) Beatrice. I do love it. I think so. Hello, Corinne and Sabrina. Hope you're having a sunny, spooky day as always. Firstly, I just want to say that I binge listen to your podcast whenever I can. You guys are so easy to listen to and honestly seem like such good and beautiful people. Oh, That's nice. Thank you. I hope we are. I'm writing to you from Switzerland where I've been living for the past three years and where I've had a handful of weird experiences. Isn't that where your dad lives? Uh, he lives in
2: Lithuania now,
1: but he was in Switzerland.
2: He, he oh. was in Zurich. He's all over I prison. mean, he's all over the place. He was in Zurich for a little while. Now he's in Lithuania.
1: Got it. Yeah. Okay. For context, I come from an agnostic family from lovely and sunny Portugal. <gasps> We're probably cousins. Uh, honestly, half the time when I say that, we figure out that we are. I might <laughs> be going to Portugal this summer, so some me your rex. Really? Yeah, after my sister's I mean, uh, wedding. Yeah. Oh, that would be fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Beatrice. Send Send recommendations to Sabrina. When I was a kid, I loved everything supernatural and spooky, as one does, I guess. And I was actually a ghost hunter for like three days before I came (laughs) up.
2: Three days. Guess they were really scared of me. (laughs) My three days as a paranormal (laughs) ghost hunter. That's that's a. (laughs) I need more or movie, right? Like what happened in those three
1: days? More follow up questions. We have. You're right, Sabrina. That is a good. That reminds me of like the old, like 1880s, like. I'm just thinking of, like, the Trixie Belden books and, and like, that sort of yeah. vibe where it's, like, my – or, like, what was the – My Babysitter is a Vampire. Oh, yeah, that yeah. book is called. I'm butchering, butchering the title. um. But, yeah, that would be a good one. After moving to Switzerland, I started to be even more interested in the spooky stuff. My best friend, who has always been by my side for 24 years now – we're 26, by the way – is a believer and kind of a witch, actually – and this became a regular conversation topic between us. So I just dived in and started studying about the occult, gods, demons, angels, spirits, et cetera, et cetera. And I was actually a part of an occult school. Whoa. Don't ask, though. I actually loved those people. They were awesome. OK, but I how do I ask. not I want ask. ask? more information. Yeah, I want more. I know. She's like, don't ask. Ha. <laughs> like, we're going to ask. Oh. And if you were asking, yes, I sleep very well at night and I have the sweetest dream. <laughs> I have just always wondered what the hell were the Greek and the Egyptian and all those guys doing back then, you know, like the most intelligent people. And they truly believed in all of this stuff while creating science and mathematics. So maybe they were really onto something. I think so. In this email, I want to share the most real experience that I've ever had so far. It was a couple of years ago and I was journaling at night and some candles and some music were on. At the time, I was especially interested in the Bible and how good and evil is so distorted in it and how Lucifer's story doesn't really seem to be that well portrayed. And all of a sudden, the name Lucifer started being whispered in my head over and oh, over again. Oh. And mind you, I was just writing about my day and my manager's funny shoes and <laughs> they were really funny and blah, blah, blah. And then whispers became screams. Like it was oh challenging gosh. me. And for some stupid reason, I said, lucifer out loud like it it was nothing like it was just something that needed to be let out and then i swear i saw one of the three candles go crazy it wasn't the wind the windows were all closed the candles were so far from them at that point I thought, this is weird, but okay. Oh, my gosh. So I took a shower, and I was cleaning the mirror with a towel when I saw this blondish, tall, handsome man behind me, smiling. Ah. Not creepy, but actually charming and warm. And my first thought was, actually, damn, I really need to eat that Kit Kat, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was low blood sugar. But then he touched my shoulder, and I felt shivers, and that was when I officially got scared. Oh, my God. The name Lucifer was whispered one last time in my head. Then he disappeared and nothing else happened. Or at least I haven't noticed anything else after that. To To say, I know I had this experience, but I'm still not sure if it's fair to say it was real real, meaning that sometimes I think that maybe this was just my imagination or that it was actually him. I don't know if everything is actually true, I believe everything we see, dream, feel, et cetera, is real, but reality is too subjective more than we think. Yeah. I want to thank you for all of your effort and love everything that you do and the love you put into this podcast. Love, Beatrice. Of course, Lucifer comes off as hot. I know. What, in the Vampire
2: Diaries? (laughs) Yes. I feel like – but that's like the tactic, right? Similar with kids and Mm -hmm. and like demonic entities appearing as kids – it's trying to get you to trust them but i don't i don't know if i trust a hottie i I like to look at
1: them i know it is interesting too because like people talk about you know like fallen angels and stuff and i think we portray or so many artists portray angels as these like beautiful creatures but i've been watching these videos and seeing these drawings that people are making of what angels like based on the descriptions actually in the bible of what angels would look like
2: (laughs) Well, okay. Have so you like seen very Monsters? Inc. Have you seen Midnight Mass yet? No. Okay, no, no, so I,
1: I will. I will. Well,
2: just this doesn't give away much, but there's what they believe is an angel, and it's a terrifying creature, like really horrific and scary looking. And while it's intimidating, the people believe it's an angel because of the powers it has. But then, is it an angel? That's the question.
1: Got it. But yeah, it. yeah, it's interesting. But apparently, Lucifer is the yeah, like a
2: hot guy. Yeah. Just, I love that. Beatrice is like, I really need to eat that Kit Kat. My blood my God, sugar must be low. My blood sugar, sugar as well. <laughs> it is also interesting. Yeah. I
1: can't say I would think the same thing.
2: When we, cause I feel like we often talk, you know, about the dark things and there's this like temptation to know more about them, but then it's also how much of that is just, you know, normal temptation, but also how much of that is they want you to want to know more about them because talking about them gives them power mm-hmm. and and then, mm-hmm. yeah, like the the voices whispering Lucifer's name over and over into Beatrice's head is like this: we want you to engage with him,
1: right? Doesn't it feel very
2: Beetlejuice?
1: Very. Where it's like you just have to say the name, like you say just it, have to say, say, it, it. say it, yeah. And then I don't know what comes of it. Yeah. Given that Beatrice hasn't experienced much more, which is good. Maybe
2: it's just like, hey, I exist, and I want you to be aware of it, right?
1: Or maybe it was. Yeah, I mean, I guess she was thinking about how his story felt like maybe unfairly told yeah. based on all of the research she had done in certain contexts. Yeah. And maybe it was his way of being like, Thank you. You know, a little hats off. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, Thanks for believing respecting me. Me. Yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. But Beatrice, let us know if you see
2: Hottie McHot, Hot Lucifer again. <laughs> Hottie, Mr. L. Mm, Mr. L. Mm. <laughs> come in my mirror
1: no don't please don't please don't no no, no. <laughs> please please don't we're not trying to summon anybody
0: we're just leia trying will to protect
1: Peacefully me. in our homes we're haunted enough yes leia will protect me my big baby big old look how big baby she is big baby is she, she so is be. big I think now that we record a video and people are going to see on YouTube Leia in the videos, they're going to be shocked just how big she is. Eating my hair time. She's so cute.
2: She is. She's a cutie. I love you.
1: Because in the photos that you post of her, you can't tell because oftentimes you're not in them with her. I'm not holding her. But now you get to her, see she's that she's, yeah, she's like three child. bowling ball Ow! sizes. <laughs> oh, Leia. Excuse me. No biting. <laughs> I was just talking about how cute you are i was the one calling you big Leia. <laughs>
2: wait wait fruit fly is here
1: fruit fly i haven't seen him in a long time i wonder if we caught that he was truly right here oh well, hi fruit fly no i've got none Sven is with us well the candle <sighs> is almost out which means this episode is must come to an end
2: oh my gosh it really is almost end.
1: out the tiny flickering flame wow that's beautiful I'll just hold it. Yeah. I'll just hold it here.
2: Well, everyone, we had a lovely afternoon, evening, morning with you, whatever time you are listening. We hope you have a lovely and spooky rest of your life. And if you know anything about witches or if you were in a cult or if you know someone who was in a witchy cult or if you have any paranormal stories or cryptid stories or basically anything – Please Email them to us at two girls one goes podcast at gmail.com.
1: And you can join our Patreon, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We have merch, we're going to be revamping our merch. Yes. Oh, it just <gasps> went out. Do you see the candle? It's done. Goodbye. I still see a little ember. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> no. Yes, we are going to be revamping our merch very shortly. Yep. So if there's any merch that you have been itching to grab, any designs. We would encourage you now, to do so before now? they're gone. Before you get sad. Thank you so much to
2: Aiden Manning and the entire team at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. And make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube to watch these videos now. You can see Leia. You can see weird hand movements, our high fives that we do across the screen very
1: poorly. Dink,
2: dink. We're just so off right now. <laughs> we can't do it at the same time. It's okay. We're just touching hands. This is That's fine. Good.
1: Yes, we'll just do our little triangle thing, our world domination. Just casual Simple world domination until someone emails over us here. and says that they are mad that we do this, and then we'll probably stop. Yeah.
2: Anyway, anyway, come join us for world domination. See you next week. It's, you know,
1: you know the things. We will see you on the other, other side. side.
2: I like how we smile at each other the whole time. <laughs> Very smooth.